Howdy there, folks, and welcome to The Random Men, where two experts in nothing talk about everything. The cult classics, those particular films that toe the line between genius and insanity. Everyone has those guilty pleasure flicks that hold a special place in their hearts. And spanning every genre, these movies have earned their place over time. Whether their underrated gems are so bad they're good, we will fall on the sword to defend the ones we enjoy. So grab the popcorn and the list of reasons why people just don't get it. Because today, the random men discuss cult classics. Tonight we're talking cult classics. Yay! We've been waiting to do this one for a little bit. <laughs> and we're just going to have fun with it. Y'all just come along for the ride. So, right off the bat, let's get a couple out of the way. Okay. Okay? Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim versus the World. Donnie Darko. The Big Lebowski. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Room. And Evil Dead. Okay. Yeah. I think all those. Arguably on the list of everybody that has done a poll of the top 100 cult classics of all time. Those are always going to be in the wheelhouse of people that aren't even into cult classic movies. They've seen one or two of those. Oh, yeah. I I think uh, most people have seen more than one or two. You can say, yeah, I enjoyed it. Some people like them, some people don't. For different reasons, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love John Carpenter's The Thing. I've talked about it on here once or twice. I reference it all the time. That's a good one. It's one of my favorites. I go back to it once a year at least and watch The Thing. That's a great one. 1982. It was on a budget of, I think, $15 million. Wow. Which was really high for a John Carpenter film at that time. Yeah, but really low for <laughs> most others. And with inflation. <laughs> but what I love about that movie, what turns a lot of people off first is the body horror. They watch it. Yeah, a little freaky. Absolutely freaky. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Scared the hell out of me. That movie lives and dies on atmosphere. It is what carries that movie. Sure, it has not even jump scares. They're more of visual shock. You know, there's one or two jump scares in it that, that really are a classic jump scare. But that thing, that the, thing, the practical, that <laughs> thing, the practical effects, mm-hmm. hilarious that back when it came out, everybody thought it was schlock. Yeah. The critics, the people that went to see it, they didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the atmosphere of that movie is just so intense from start to finish. It's just claustrophobic, and it was the first movie I can remember watching where I was literally on the edge of my seat. And you know, a lot of people did knock it because of like the effects, what it looked like, all that kind of thing. But if you just, if you, okay, say take the movie, and instead of a alien monster, mm-hmm. it was a serial killer, it's one of the greatest suspense movies I've ever. Oh, yeah. It's a whodunit. Yeah. I mean, it was so just suspenseful. Like I said, just keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time because you're watching it thinking, who's next? But then you have to add in that whole, who is it? Yeah, very Invasion of the Body Snatchers style. Yeah, but like I said, it could easily be any, like, just murder mystery. If any one of that cast had not taken it seriously, it falls apart. But Mm -hmm. everyone did a fantastic job. That's true. And turned in phenomenal performances, and it sold it. Even as, as... Hard as you had to set aside that it was an an alien horror movie, which I mean, we were talking alien sci-fi horror, you know, Alien had come out years before. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like this is unheard of. Yeah. Pioneered science fiction horror. Mm -hmm. But the thing was just so visceral. Like I said, it was 
kind of the same formula. It's claustrophobic. One was in a spaceship. One's at an Antarctic research station. Either way, there's no way out. But I absolutely love that film, and I oh, love yeah. the shots. Uh, there's a couple just panning down a hallway. It's just that movie makes me feel more claustrophobic than Alien does. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I'm like you. I have to go back and watch it at least a couple of times a year. And I mean, of course, everybody always talks about the end scene. Yeah, with Keith David and Kurt Russell. Yeah, like okay, the, it, which one's the monster? Does he know? Like that whole thing back and forth. I stand discussed. firmly by Keith David was the monster. No God, breath. I agree. When he took, he was sipping the whiskey that could have been the Molotov cocktail. Yeah. I, I love it. I love that film. I agree so much. And there's in there. I mean, it doesn't matter really at that point. They're not getting out. And people shit on the practical effects. Fast forward to when they did the prequel. Oh, yeah. In, I think, 2011, 2012, something like that. Sure. And went CGI with the monster, completely separated yep. you from the feel. From the feel of it is yes. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it took you out of the movie because you're just going, oh, here's another CGI. I wish we could get back to practical effects. I do, too. American Werewolf in London. Stuff Rick Baker did. Still, to this day, holds up. You were talking about, like, your kid sitting there watching something and can tell the difference between CGI and real. Yeah. Even if it's something from like the 80s or something like that that's old and might not look that great, but it still is a, a tangible thing. It's there. Yeah. It's real. Even it's if real. it's not a horror movie, that will scare them more than CGI. They know that's mm-hmm. not real. Mm-hmm. I agree. Is that story about Simon Pegg, I think, with his son when he w- went back and watched the original Star Wars? Yes. Yes. And he was like, oh, Yoda's real when he saw the puppet. Mm-hmm. And he had seen the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But when that child said, oh, that's real, something sparked in his head and was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's re- he can reach out and touch that, yeah. and he knows the difference. Yep, yep, And yep. that was what makes that movie for me. I stand by That's one of my favorites, if not my favorite cult classic, John Carpenter's The Thing. Hey, man, I, I agree. That's a good one. Bounce one off of you. What you got for me? Uh, okay, so the other day, we're sitting there, and uh, I started watching Short Circuit. Ah, oh, love it. Johnny Five. Johnny Five. Still alive. Yes. That I can't was, be introduced to anybody with the name Stephanie without going Stephanie, Stephanie. under my breath. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the what things. What a weirdo. So I, I, I had read a thing Stephanie. where they were talking about when they were making it. Uh, Tim Blaney, and I hope I'm saying that right, is the guy that does sure. the voice. He's actually the guy that was like the main effects guy on Johnny, like that worked him. Really? And the director came back and was like, I want somebody that has so much heart and soul for this character to be the voice, it needs to be you. Because you have had you've spent more time with this robot than anybody else. And he, he has was a like, connection. I want it to be to where you when you hear him talk and you the whole thing is the evolution of him, you know, starts off and he, he's running into a wall. He doesn't understand anything. He's just like a baby. Mm-hmm. And slowly as he's, you know, learning input and uh, doing input. all that kind of stuff, you know, and growing into an adult. Type thing, and so he was like, "I want somebody that's going to be able to do his voice, that is going to have the feel and the love and the compassion that we're looking he for." Understands in this. the character, and I think that's one of the reasons that that I mean, because it could easily been any other robot movie, and not been nearly as good. But everything that he's that Johnny Five is doing, you love it. You you feel for him, like yeah. you immediately connect with him, and you're like, you like him. There's no way that Wally isn't based on that. So I heard a thing. Oh, Check this thing. out. That Wally, his design was straight up based off Johnny Five. Here's where it goes weird, though. He looks like a bug. Johnny Five's design, because he was supposed to be the war robot, mm-hmm. was based off the giant robots in the future in Terminator. 
Really? Think about that for a second. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Ah. Thinking about the timeline, Short Circuit did come out after Terminator. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we went from the killer huge, machine robot killer to, machine robot cute, to a killer machine robot like that you liked <laughs> to Wally who saved the world. My grasshopper robot. <laughs> saves the world. <laughs> one little cube that's at a That's another one of those that's on that I, when, it, when I'm channel surfing and short circuits on, I just leave it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The more than a woman dance scene cracks me up. Uh, Your mother was a snowblower. You know what's funny is uh, Tim didn't do a whole lot of other like he did like other projects and stuff, but the other the big uh, voice part that he played that a lot of people don't know about Frank from MIB, the dog, the pug dog. Yep. I bet if I go back and watch it, I'll hear it. Yep. It's weird. Oh, I got a big one for you. You'll love this. Oh <clears> man, <throat> research is always so good. His lasers. Is the same sound they used for as the proton, the proton pack. Packs. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, does that fire up? <laughs> That's an unmistakable same, sound. Use the same effect for it. Yep. Yes, it is. That is awesome. Yes, it is. As soon as you said that about the laser, I was like, the proton pack sound. I thought of that sitting there watching it one night. I was, yes, yep. fantastic. Love short circuit. Yeah, so that's one of those, one of my top cult classics. Every time it's on, I got to sit down and watch it. Okay, another one of my favorites. Check this out. They're in no particular order. I'm just, mm. just yeah, going off the cuff of things that I love. Okay. 1979's The Warriors. Hmm. Ragtag. Cling, cling. I wish I had three bottles. Oh, we don't. Together. No, we're drinking out of cans. No. <laughs> One Night of Survival from a gang from Coney Island trying to make it back from the Bronx. Great film. It really, when it was released, they had to pull it from theaters. Really? Yes. Why? Because it was causing... Maybe not riots, but it was causing a lot of uh, street violence and um, vandalism. Mm-hmm. And the police yep. shut that shit down. It was Everybody was attributing that to the film glorifying gangs. Hmm. And what's funny is on the set, they actually hired gangs to watch. And, and they were extras. In the scene in the park with Cyrus's, can you dig it? Yeah, it was all the, uh, yeah. A lot of that is not extras. It's real gang members. But oh. they sent the word out and brought everybody there. They all showed up. We're all in the same place. So you can imagine how... NYPD was freaking out hmm. knowing all these gangs are coming into the same closed space in this park and everybody's just like hey be cool can we be cool here sure hey do it for yeah. the movie <laughs> yeah you know they, they would hire gangs to watch wow. uh, the vans at night that had all the equipment kind of hang out and be advisors hmm. and things like that hmm. that's pretty and cool I think why it stands the test of time is first off the story is fairly simple it is survival. It's based off of a, I believe Greek. There's a Greek tale that's about a group of warriors trying to make it home. Hmm. And they just adapted that. First, it was a book. Mm-hmm. Then they made the film. I won't go into the book now because we're talking films. But uh, yeah, fairly simple to follow. They're framed for murder. They have to make it. I think it's thirty miles home to yeah. safety to the shores of safety. I actually was explaining and all the things they encounter. And I was of course, ex- Baseball Furies is. One of the best on-screen intimidating yeah. gangs. Yeah. <laughs> I was explaining the plot to somebody here a while back, and we were talking about it, and they're like, I don't know if that sounds terrible or awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's not much it. to it. It's like, hey, yeah. they go there for a yeah. peace conference yeah. mm-hmm. and get framed for murder mm-hmm. of the biggest gang leader in the city mm-hmm. and then have to fight their way home when they're framed, mm-hmm. trying to clear the name. It's not even halfway through the movie before they realize what the hell is going on, why they're being tracked by everybody. And I love it. One of my favorite scenes is with Swan and Mercy, who becomes, Swan becomes the de facto leader um, when Cleon is killed. 
who was their war chief, mm-hmm. was killed, you know, at at the the riot that starts after Cyrus is killed. And um, you know, they pick up Mercy, who's the prostitute, tries to get him killed by the orphans, which is hilarious, and then she just tags along with him. Yeah. But um the heart of it when she's explaining how terrible her life is and she just wants to get out. And then they get on the subway and uh, a group of prom teens get on and they're sitting across from one another and it's a group leaving the prom. And then they've been running all night, fighting all night. They're bruised, they're bloody, they're beat up and they make eye contact. And suddenly she tries to like adjust her hair, fix how she looks because she sees that other girl's eyes and Swan just grabs her arm and gives her a look. It's so powerful. Not a word is said during the whole scene, but it's like, you don't, you don't have to justify yourself for them. Very strong scene. Hmm. Kind of sums up the different social cliques. Yeah. But also, you don't don't be afraid of who you are. Be, be you. Yeah, he was Probably. like, you, you don't owe them anything. They yeah. don't, why, why are you trying to make yourself look pretty for them? You've been fighting for your life all night. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. it was that scene always resonated. It's a very, very powerful scene. Right on. Right on. And then you get to the end with Luther, who's one of the greatest on-screen villains, clicking his bottles. Yep. Oh, yep. yes. And another one of those you can go back to anytime. You could sit down with somebody who's never seen it and then just kind of relish in watching them watch it. And either they get it or they don't get it. I think that's a lot of a lot of the movies on our list here. <laughs> a lot of the ones we're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's to some people it's hit and miss. Yeah. The character Ajax is hilarious, but not very PC these days. Mm. Yeah, there are, there are a couple, couple scenes in a couple of these movies that maybe not even always mm. aged well. Yeah. Especially if you show them to a younger person now and they go, what, whoa, whoa, whoa. what did they just say? Like, that, sorry, that was shit in 1977, yeah. 79. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, one of my on the top ten list would be the Warriors. Love it. Right Went on. to Coney Island, got my Warriors shirt. Sweet. Just kind of walked up and down the boardwalk. It's like, wow. Heck yeah. That's all I was thinking of while we were there. Everybody else wanted to eat at Nathan's. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll eat at Nathan's too, but let me get my oh, Warriors t-shirt. And it was there. They, they live in it, man. <laughs> Still to this day. So, very great film. Was underrated. Was one of those that didn't become big until after the fact. Which is most of them, I mean, what? while we're rolling into it, what really qualifies a cult classic? Okay. What do you think qualifies as a cult classic? And then I'll tell you the actual definition. My thoughts would be something that initially failed upon release. Or maybe not failed, but didn't live up to the expectations that they wanted it to. That's what I think would make a cult classic. And then has to get popular... By people in the know, word of mouth, especially back in the time before streaming. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to introduce you to this movie because they weren't, if they had been successful, they'd be blockbusters. True. So that's what I think the criteria is for a cult classic is something that fell off the radar. It was so obscure. It was so ahead of its time. It was so weird out there that only a certain group understood it and then kind of spread the word and maybe even had to explain it to people of why it was cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so looking up good old Wikipedia, oh, it says wiki. that... You can always trust the wiki. <laughs> yeah. A cult classic film is a film that acquires a cult following. A cult film... Simple enough. Yeah. Uh, they're known for their dedicated, passionate fan base, which mm-hmm. forms an elaborate subculture, uh, members of which engage in repeated viewings, dialogue mm-hmm. quoting, and even audience participation. Inclusive definitions allow for a major studio production, especially box office bomb, meaning... Mm. One view of it, there's an inclusive and exclusive version of it. So one could include, you know, big box office ones that bombed. Or the exclusive def- definition focuses more on obscure, uh, transgressive films shunned by mainstream. So you did kind of hit all around it. Yeah. Yeah. I it, think I did. It, oh, it, another important part, quotable dialogue. 
Ooh. You have to be able to have quotable dialogue quotes. I mean, me and you, I know it probably annoys people. We throw out one-liners from movies in our regular me people like me and just, you and Andrew I don't care if they get it. Uh, it's just the way my brain works. Blaine, some of our other friends, like we will sit down and talk in, in, movie, in quotes movie quotes to each other. For for like forever, and someone will walk in that doesn't that's not wired the same way we are. It's a language, and they will be like, "What the heck are y'all talking about?" Like, oh, we just we just talk for thirty minutes in movie quotes. Yeah, but if you want to talk about movie quotes, to me, one of the most quotable movies, one of my favorite cult classics of all time, nineteen ninety Tremors. One hundred percent. Every line in that is a quotable line. I love that movie. And you know what's weird? We just talked about Short Circuit. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about Tremors, written by the same guys. Nuh-uh. Yep. No shit. S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. So I always heard the story how Tremors came to be was he was, I don't know if he was doing something for the military, but he ended up in the desert and was mm-hmm. on a boulder and thought mm-hmm. Land Sharks, mm-hmm. which, funny enough, was the original working title for it, was yes, what if there was something down there in the dirt that could come up and couldn't get me on the rock, but could get me if I was on the dirt. I love that film. The, it's a crime that... The duo of Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward never got to work together again because they're comedy gold. Yes, the way they work together. Oh, yeah, just amazing. It's so, amazing. And, and they talk, a lot of times in movies, the dialogue is very forced and very hokey and either toilet humor or stuff like that when, when you're dealing with buddies interacting with each other. But they're back and forth. You think that these guys have been friends for 30 years, and they sell it, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Because it is just ribbing on each other. Yeah, uh, the trivia thing on IMDb. S.S. Wilson said he got the idea from the film while he was working for the U.S. Navy in the California desert while resting on a rock. He imagined what it might be like if something underground kept him from getting off the rock. Look at the big brain on Kenny. <laughs> and Land Sharks was the original yes, working title, Land wasn't Shark it? Land Sharks was the original oh, working title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was originally rated R for language, not violence. Yes. <laughs> practical <laughs> effects. Again, here comes practical effects being fantastic. I have been searching, and I don't think it's out there. For the original R-rated, like, director's cut of it. Because you can see when you watch the film how they overdubbed a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's because after it was done, they came back and, like, they were talking about, like, R-rating or even, was it NC? NC-17. NC-17. Just because of the language. Because they dropped just, so many F-bombs. And so I'm many trying, F-bombs. if anybody knows where to find the original cut of that with all the F-bombs left in, I would love to have that. I would pay for it. Yes. I've, I've scoured the internet trying mm-hmm. to find it. I don't think mm-hmm. it exists. I think it was left on the cutting room floor. You were talking about uh, their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Did you know that it, at one point it was almost Bill Paxton or Bruce Campbell uh, playing Kevin Bacon's character? Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't think it would have. And I love, love but Bruce both, Campbell. Both, and Bill Paxton. I love and Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think it would have been the same. No. 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 And I know uh, that Kevin Bacon had a lot of problems after the film. Like, he thought it was just going to ruin his career. So, he has said, and I read this. Not a lot a of problems, but he put, was very Yeah, a quote that he, he did where he, he talked it. about, um, to this day, it is still the most fun movie he ever did. Had a blast. Everybody was great on set. Everybody had fun with it. Nobody took anything too serious. It was great. But supposedly he had a breakdown with his wife who was pregnant at the time mm-hmm. and was like, my prayer's over. I'm doing this movie about giant sandworms. <laughs> and was like, it's over for me. It's over. <laughs> and turned into one of the biggest cult classics of all time. Yes. Yes. If you don't like Tremors, don't even talk to me. 
I, yeah, I agree. Yes, and like I said before, practical effects, fantastic the way they did all that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it sells. It would if, if that was well. We've seen what CGI turned to into the Tremors franchise. Mm, yeah. Mm. Okay, but you know what? They're though? still popcorn fun. I was gonna say, man. That's watch, what I love about that. Watching movie. Bert go through all the adventures later <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, I, I've watched them all. Uh, yeah, I've totally watched them all. Same. You got to, because then it just turned into like, what's what are they gonna think what of next? next? In space. <laughs> yeah. But yes, the first one, the OG Tremors. Mm-hmm. Multiple times a year. There's an anniversary showing of it somewhere. <sighs> Every there's, time I catch it, that I see it on anywhere. I want to I'm say like February it. 11th or something is uh, Tremors, Tremors Day. Day. And I was like, why don't we get oh, together yeah. and drink beers and watch oh, that? Oh, I, I didn't know that was a thing. I've I should have seen known. it a thousand times. I should have figured it was. Yeah, yeah, we can pretty much quote the movie line from line from the beginning on. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that's my favorite movie of all time, even though I don't have favorite movies. Uh, that if I had one that I just had to watch over and over again, that would be on. Yeah, that would definitely be up there on my list for sure. Mm. What you got next? But see, ah, uh, man, I hate to keep dropping John Carpenter ones. They live. We'll just touch on that real quick. Roddy Piper. Now that is definitely one that goes into the category of cult classic. Of some people just didn't get oh, it. No, it's all about consumerism. Yeah, one of the best fight scenes ever on film. One of the longest ones. <laughs> just two guys two big guys beating the shit out of each other in an alley with trash cans yeah and it goes on and on and on and on <laughs> and it is fantastic <laughs> so that's all i got to say about they live but that's another yeah, one that that's, I, I, that's really all you got to say i haven't seen that one in a really really long time i'm gonna have to go back i don't want to dive too deep it. into that yeah. one but There's, i love yeah. it it's again good sit down on a sunday afternoon watch it laugh your ass off it's deeper than that I know John Carpenter was going to go for a deeper message, but just good fun. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good on him for doing Roddy Piper because I think he wanted Kurt Russell to come back again for that one, and he couldn't. It's like, <sighs> it's like oh, we're just cranking him out here. Huh. I got one that's kind of a little different, and I don't. Okay, so it. I think it falls into the category of cult classic, but mostly because of what it was compared to the actor himself. That's Donovan's Reef. John Wayne. Because even though it was technically one of his war movies, because it was after, was it World War Two or was it? Yeah, because they had a uh, they had gone there uh, to during one of the invasions, and they ended up on the island. That's right. And they, That's they right. Freed the all the tribes and everything. That's where they ended up just staying there. But it really wasn't a war movie. But definitely wasn't like a western or anything like People that. People were not very receptive to him not being and, in westerns. Yeah, exactly. But. uh <laughs> just watching him and Lee Marvin go back and forth. <laughs> I mean, it's like they're just drunk all the time. It, it, really, the story makes no sense. He's having fun with the it, The story though. makes no sense, you really. You see and John Wayne having fun. At, at any given time, they just look at each other and they just go at it and start fighting. Even when they're fighting against the French guys, they still are fighting each other. And it just, it just makes me laugh. Like I said, the story made no sense, but it was just so stupid it's fun. I don't know. I watch it all the time and just go. <laughs> Donovan's Reef. Good pull, man. Good pull. When I first started getting into, I'd always liked films. I think most people do enjoy film. When I really started understanding cult classics, I think I was first turned on to them. There was a show on TNT called Monster Vision. Oh, yeah. Remember, it was hosted by Joe Bob Briggs yep. from the mid-90s on to about 2000. Mm-hmm. And many, many nights sitting up watching movies. I had never. I think that was the first time I ever saw Phantasm and reanimator and 
There was one called Night of the Lepus, which I think yes, had I William, say that. William Shatner. I, I think it was William Shatner that it was, was in about giant mutant rabbits. Yes. And that was where I was first turned on to like, what are all these B movies that I'd never heard of? I don't even know if those were classified. I don't know if those even classify as B movies, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. So go back and watch some old Monster Vision clips. It's hilarious. Night of the Lepus. Night of the Lepus. Mm. I think Frogs, the movie Ticks. But, I mean, they would show things, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, which, another one. I don't exactly know like how well that was received or if it was a box office fail or okay or what, but another one, every time it's on, I'm going to watch it. Because it was just so, just, everything's like, what? <laughs> What's happening now? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> this is going off the rails. Yeah. You feel for him, for, for the characters, because you're just like, that's how I would react in that situation. Like, what the hell? What uh, is going on here? I'll just run my truck over him. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I think he says something at one point like, there's guys shooting lightning. From there's guys shooting lightning. and guy can throw wind at me. Yeah. I'm fighting avatars here. <laughs> oh, man. And the so, weird scary monster thing at the end. like, Oh, that's on the truck? Yeah. Yeah. Still on a rainy night when you're driving. Yeah. Look in the back. Yeah. So, yeah, Monster Vision really led me into... Looking deeper than what I was being shown. The second part was that I worked in a video store. One of my first jobs was working in a video store. And oddly enough, what's hilarious, my wife worked in a video store too. Hmm. So a lot of the same likes as far as obscure movies. But the cool thing about working in a video store then, which has disappeared now because of streaming, was people coming in to rent movies and then talking about them. When you're talking at the register, like, oh, what yeah. is this movie? I've never yeah. seen this. And they go, oh, you've never seen Buckaroo Banzai? This movie is turned up to 11. Yeah, nowadays, unless you have, like, a really popular then, blog or something like that, you don't have that here. And hearing yeah, somebody and explain it to you yeah. with, with passion. They're not mm-hmm. just going, oh, this is, came out this time and just dropping little tidbits. But this is somebody that came in here looking for this. We had to find it. And then I was very interested into what turns you on with this movie. Why do you like it? And spent a long time just... Becoming friends with the freaks and geeks that came in and would turn me on to totally different things. And I miss that. I really miss that about the video store. Yeah. Environment. Yeah. And, you know, you say that and it makes me think about. So I remember being in school and I kind of I didn't really have a click that was in. Uh, I played sports, you know, I did theater, you know, hung out with a lot of the, the band guys and stuff like that. So I was you kinda were a around. nerdy jock. I was kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll take nerdy jock. Like that's fun. Fun by me. But, uh, I remember going over to a party one night and this kind of falls in that category of everybody getting involved and, uh, getting into the movie. A bunch of my friends that were all in the band, we went to their house and we we're having a party and they're like, yeah, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch our movie. And I was like, what's our movie? Like I figured it was going to be something about band stuff. No, it was the labyrinth. Ah, David Bowie. And that was, I guess, my first time. Like, I really got to be around other people and saw how passionate they were about stuff. Because, I mean, everybody's up dancing. They had little makeshift costumes that they had, little hand puppets they had made. They're singing along to everything. They're just having a What the hell did I just stumble into? And, like, at first, yes, I was a little, like, I don't know if I belong here. But halfway through it, I was right in there with a man. Like, dance, magic, dance. Let's do it. The quotability, (laughs) sing-alongs. Yes, yes, yes. Quotability. Where you yeah. get into things like why Big Lebowski has the staying yeah. power. Because you can quote that whole movie from start to finish. Yeah, and Labyrinth, the the music in it was awesome. Of course, all the puppeteer work was amazing. Did you know that when he's doing, the thing, when he's doing the thing with the crystal ball, uh, 
it's actually a dude with his arms around him doing it, and he can't see it. The dude just doing it. It was like was a blind. magician? Yeah. But he's doing it blind and just doing the whole the whole thing with the ball. So that's like that's legit. That's real. That's really happening. No special effects. It's like I love the old crazy. movies for that exact reason. They had to figure out ways to make it work. Uh, but of course, you say that. Uh, supposedly, the owl at the very beginning was the first attempt at CGI animal in a movie. Is that a fun fact? Yep. Neat. Yeah. Which is funny because they did that like, and then everything wow. else is practical effects and Muppets. <laughs> the owl. Hmm. We couldn't get a trained owl, <laughs> but I can make a bunch of goblins. Okay. Labyrinth. You don't have to make sense of the labyrinth. Another one I love <laughs> to death. Bubba Hotep. Bruce oh, Campbell. Oh, I knew you were going to bring that one up. I, I love it. Bubba I Hotep. It. If you haven't seen that, watch it. You're going to love it or you're going to hate it and turn it off 20 minutes in. I think it's, it's Bruce one Campbell of those, if, as old Elvis. If you really think that you that you really consider yourself to be any kind of cinephile or someone that actually really does love movies, I think you do have to sit down and watch it from beginning to end. Because when I first watched it, I really thought about like 10 minutes and I was like, I don't know how to make this. And I forced myself to do it. And about 30 minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm in. It's one of those like Napoleon Dynamite where you have to watch it three times before you appreciate it. Exactly. It was the Napoleon Dynamite. The first time you see it, it's so kind of just polarizing. You go, what the fuck did I just watch? Anyway, I ruined your, your, Explanation of the no, I, I the plot. really need to explain it, but it's it's old Elvis. He faked his death, so he hasn't really been Elvis for many many years, and he's in this nursing home. He befriends Ozzie Davis, who tells him that he's Jack Kennedy, and that they changed his appearance and cut out a piece of his brain, and it's replaced by a bag of sand. Okay, that enough is wackadoo. Then enters the mummy. That sucks the souls out of the elderly people. Like actual, the mummy mummy. Yes. The mummy is Bubba Hotep. Gotcha. Who's being transported and gets dumped out and starts attacking a nursing home because he can suck the souls out of these people and kill them easily and nobody will notice. So he can go unnoticed. And the people that catch wind of it is Elvis and Jack Kennedy. And for somebody to think of that and then it worked and is amazing. And I love the movie and would tell anybody to watch it. And I know it's probably for about 15% of the people I would recommend it to. <laughs> but those 15 are my kind of hey, folks. If you even remotely like Bruce Campbell, you got to watch it. Bubba Hotep, high on the list. Okay, so you want to talk about ones that, and this might be a little bad. Maybe I shouldn't say this one, but I'm going to anyway. One that's like for very, very few people, but I still kind of put on that because it does have a cult following. Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just over the you top, talk brutal about a C movie. Whoa! Its budget was five hundred thousand dollars, and it shows. Oh yeah, oh definitely, definitely. But for something that was so violent, it is actually a comic book superhero, and it went from that to we ended up getting a Saturday morning cartoon based on it. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it's like what? Yeah. Whoa. Same with RoboCop. It was originally rated X. Yeah. For violence. They wouldn't even release Toxic Avenger in movies, like in theaters. Like, they wouldn't do it. It, it It was one of the first real midnight movies that they would only show in certain theaters after midnight. And it was like, this is not rated, so come at your own risk type <laughs> We're thing. We're not going to tell you nothing about this thing. So, yeah. Toxic Avenger was definitely one that, not for many people, but I think the people that they watched it and 
there are some that really dug it, and yeah, would definitely be. Like I said, that's why I made it what it was, because it was one of the first. There's some of them that are so bad, they're good. That's that's another category of. That's true. That's true. Cult classics is they're so bad, Mm -hmm. you can't take your eyes off of them. It's entertaining as all hell. Those are some of my favorites. Yeah. Okay, so we can't talk about so bad they're good without talking about the granddaddy of them all. Mm-hmm. As far as just shit movies that have a cult classic, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh. Ed Wood, it's, it is so cheap and so terrible. You cannot stop watching it. The, the spaceships are on strings. <laughs> it's full of a bunch of stock footage. It's just... The dialogue makes no sense. Like, everybody was just told to say a line before they walked on to the scene. I can honestly say I've actually never seen it. <sighs> that might have to be a night where me and you just get a couple brewskis and sit down, and I just make you sit through it. You know, I normally say, as long as I got a beer in my hand, I'm fine with it, but I don't know. It was like The Room when I told you to watch The Room, and you're oh, like, Jesus, I, no, nope, can't nope, do it. Nope, made it 15 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I just can't do this. So bad, they're it's, good. It's hurting my brain. Sharknado's another one of those. <laughs> but Sharknado, But yeah. I wouldn't call, I, I don't even think I'd call that a cult classic. I, I would, because it has a huge following. I've watched, I've actually watched them all. I'm sitting here talking about, oh, I can't watch that one, but I've watched all the Sharknado's. <laughs> But, yeah, you want to talk about definitely a cult following some people. There's definitely also some John Waters films. Crybaby? I like Crybaby. But it's so... It's another one of those... Yeah. (laughs) The dialogue delivery. Everybody's so serious in the film. And that's what makes it (laughs) so serious. It's such a bad movie. We can't talk about them without saying Over the Top and Cobra. Oh, I don't want to shit on Stallone, oh. but that was that weird little phase where it was he was taking himself yeah. very serious. Yeah. Cobra is pretty bad. Over the Top is hilarious. Over the Top, yeah, is great. Yes, yes. I will watch Over the Top all the time. Yes. And, and he, I don't think people and really I'll arm wrestle s- each other anymore. I'll sit down and, do, and flip my head do around. fellas still do that at parties? Yeah, <laughs> flip the head around. It's like a switch going on. Going cross country to win his son's love with arm wrestling. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. And you can't forget the guy that drinks the motor oil. Yeah, and then it's puking like five minutes later. It's like, yes. What? <laughs> Maximum overdrive. Okay. Okay. Yes. Was that on your list? It was not on my list of one that I really thought we'd talk about, but I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, that's one of those that's. Ooh. It's rough. Yeah, I heard that there was a thing like everybody was on drugs during filming and like it was just a wild, crazy. I think Stephen King was on cocaine believe it when he wrote it and then directed it i believe it was it. yeah he directed it because he was tired of everybody messing up his movies <laughs> kubrick what <laughs> you know it's like that wasn't good enough i'm gonna go do maximum overdrive <laughs> yeah yeah that, you really showed him <laughs> <laughs> way to go steven <laughs> maybe he should have been coked out of your gourd oh yeah. oh buddy ah Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is one of those ones that, man, yeah, it's it's pretty. Have you bad. tried to watch it again as an adult? No, I can't say I've watched it. It was time. fun as a kid, but you watch it again as an adult, and ooh, you're like, ooh, oh boy, really? mm. you're like they they took a lot of wrong turns with Howard the Duck. Yeah, but didn't they say uh, that Lucas and Spielberg, like after they'd done Star Wars, they're like we just want to do something just wanna... goofy and just just. Out the wall. They did it. Yeah, they did. They definitely did that. And we got that little gem. Yeah. Hey, but look at the legacy that Howard the Duck has held for all these years, though. 
They even brought him back in the Avengers mm-hmm. movie. In, in the Made Marvel. him into an Avengers movie. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. Mac and me. Nope. That's my one note for this episode. Nobody Mac likes. and me. Nobody watches Mac and me. Paul Rudd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuff on Conan. When he keeps showing the scene from Mac and me. If you didn't have a reason to love Paul Rudd enough, look up those YouTube videos of him showing Mac and me. Apparently he's the only one that actually liked that movie. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's I would bet shock and all. The answer is no. Mac and me. It was all, I think, McDonald's fire back at E.T. The whole thing was, I could be wrong, shoot me, but I think it was all funded by McDonald's. Really? Yes. That sounds right. I believe that. Complete E.T. ripoff and garbage, garbage film. Ooh. Yeah. I'm glad you said it so we can address it. No, Mac and me. Nobody, if that's on somebody's shelf, it's there strictly so they go, I got that. Do you ever watch it? No. 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 Why would I? Mm -mm. (laughs) So bad they're good. Nice little category. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, does this seem like a good time to take a break and do our segment? Sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, kick back and get ready for another segment of Search Engine Results. Those of you that's never played along with this game, I ask the all-powerful internet. A search engine question. I then give Keith three answers, and he has to guess what the top answer was. We're kind of going a little bit different with it tonight because I actually had to look up what the top three cult classic films as rated by fans is. So a little bit different. Same premise. It's going to be a good time, okay? All righty. All right. So this actually came from Rolling Stone. Mm. Mm. Give them the credit here. They were polled on some people's... The number one choice of cult classic films as chosen by the people. Okay. Okay. So here is your choices. All right. A, The Big Lebowski. B, This is Spinal Tap. Or C, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mmm. Mmm. All three good entries, man. A, Big Lebowski. B, This is Spinal Tap. Or C, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Chosen by the fans. And I'm going to assume the other two are the top, uh, fill out the top three, right? Yes, actually. So, yeah, it's probably pretty close. Mm, I can see all three of them for different things, for different reasons. But I think I'm going to have to go with Rocky Horror Picture Show. 100%. Was there ever any question in your mind? I don't know, Lebowski, man. That's, ah, wow. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm, I'm it could have been. It could have been pretty close. I'm, actually, I'm going to go ahead and guess a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Big Lebowski, Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. That's Nail the on the head there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, good. I'm glad that we actually uh, found one that we agree with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no beating Rocky Horror. I don't think so, man. How that many, thing. How many bombed when it came out, yeah. and then it was years before the midnight movies started popularizing it. Well, I mean, how many times that mean you have gone to midnight showings of them and stuff like that and got in? Like, we we don't even take it near to the level that some people with their no, dedication. you're just there to kind but, of watch the crowd and but have it's fun. it's fun. It is a blast. If you've never gotten to go see Rocky Horror at a midnight viewing or something like that, please do because it is so entertaining watching these people and they are so dedicated to it. The energy in the room is worth oh, going. Yeah. 
worth the price of admission just oh, for yeah. the energy in the room. Hey, even when we went to the one that was the drive-in here not so long ago because the whole yeah, pandemic was going on. It was quarantine. And yeah, and we went out there and watched it and still everybody was just giving it their Everybody's all. Everybody's up man. and dancing. We're and staying, you know, everyone was social distancing and everything, but everyone was just having a blast with it. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it holds its rightful spot at the top. I agree. Because it fought tooth and nail for 40 years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still going strong. Hmm? Midnight. Well, oh, yeah. God, I hate the pandemic. But am there, I al- am I alone in that? No. There are <laughs> there are new there are new people. They introduce to it every day. They, yeah, all the time. Get into it and start seeing what it is. And like I said, that I think that really embodies cult classic. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about it. Uh, yeah. I know. Earlier, I said Plan Nine from Outer Space is the granddaddy of them. Yeah. And that's just because of when it came out. Rocky Horror is the granddaddy. Oh, legitimate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the ultimate cult classic. classic. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, brother, so we've actually gone over our time already, but I'm really enjoying this, and I still got a whole lot more I want to talk I about. I got more on my list, too. So you thinking what I'm thinking? I think we do a two-parter. I think so. Don't see anything wrong with that. It'll be our first two-parter. Yeah, it will be. So. Look forward to this. I've had a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think, got to uh, have fun bouncing movies off you all day long, buddy. Everybody, if y'all want to come back and listen to next week's episode, we will do part two on cult classics. Part two of cult classics, yeah. Um, Until we see you next time, I'm Kenny. I'm Keith. Stay gold, pony boy. Mm